Ball's in coming down. All right, Rusty, you ready? Let's do it. All right, Ty, you ready? Always. Ball's in coming down. <laughs> timeout. Tyler, who are we taking a timeout with today? Well, ladies and gentlemen, up in the 585 in, in the upstate New York area, we have a 501er today. We have Rusty Meeks, the CEO at, at the Arkansas Travelers Baseball Club. Rusty is a fellow Razorback as well, so uh, our listeners know I get a little crazy about uh, our hogs. I think we're, we're probably both part hog at this point in our life. Um, Rusty, thanks for being on the show. And I'm going to start out with just a softball, man. Bottom of the ninth, two outs. Uh, the skipper gives 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 the sign that you're in the bullpen. What are you? What what closing music are you busting out to? Easy, Broken Heartsville, Joe Nichols. <laughs> had that teed up, man. Uh, oh, like he's had this vision before. Almost. So, so say you rope a double, first time at bat, you make it to the show. Your parents are all their girlfriends' wives are in the audience yeah. or whatever. Because you know I'm a big Bowman collector, man. I get fired yeah. up on these guys' debut. Rusty makes knocks one kind of shallow, shallow right center, and you dig a hard, a hard double. You, you have to slide. You, you in for safe. What dance are you are you starting out to start your career? Oh gosh, uh, I hadn't thought of that one as much. Maybe something to an Eric Church song, and maybe just making my own dance. I don't know, you know. <laughs> Be original. Oh, that's awesome. Oh well, Tyler. Well, thanks for this, man. We, we had a we, we had a hall. We had the president of the Hall of Fame of baseball on our show, and he had no answers for us. Yeah, I was like. How do you know your post music, dude? Yeah. I always think of the walk-up songs for sure. And, and Broken Heartsville was my, my song when I was in high school, uh, way back when. So that was always a song I love. But yeah, huge Eric Church fan too. So it'd be one of those two. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, you're in the batter's box and you gotta you gotta give yourself a little motivational talk before you step in. What's that quote that you maybe now use as a leader, a CEO, to get through the dark days and through some of those challenging times? What's yeah, that I do quote love, or that tape that you play back in your head? Yeah, I mean, I do. To to go on the movie thing, I do love the Bull Durham quote of uh, "Sometimes it rains, sometimes it, you know." Or he says, "Sometimes I can't remember the exact quote, but uh, you know, sometimes we we win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it rains." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> always love that. Uh, always love that quote. Uh, always gets me cracked up. No, I mean, you know, in in all seriousness, I think for me and in, in our business and 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 especially at this level and the work that we put in, hours we work and those type of things. Two big things for me are communicating. You got to communicate well, and then uh, just caring, having a passion for what what we're doing. What what we do is so unique. Um, there's really not anything like it as far as just what we. You know, people, uh, we run a business, um, but also, you know, in the baseball side of things, we just, we offer a break for people. That's the way I look at it. I mean, a three-hour break to come out here and just watch some baseball and forget about what's going on, forget about your problems, forget about other things, and just enjoy a cold hot dog and a lukewarm beer, man. You know, I mean, you can't, you can't beat it, you know? <laughs> Where do I sign? Yeah, but it also, it speaks to kind of just, the, I guess, like that experience that ultimately you guys are are looking to give. And I still go back to, we had a minor league team in Elmira, they were the Elmira Pioneers, and they were way, way, way minor, right? Yeah. Um, but just how interactive they made the games. And I, I always love that about minor league baseball is how do we involve families into yeah. the event? Um, 
And it's kind of this evolution that we're now seeing in baseball. You've been around it your whole life. You were kind of sharing that with Tyler and I. Tell us your story on how you first got involved uh, in baseball and why you have stuck with it. I was I love soccer, but I am not even close to the sport today. What yeah, made I mean, stick I, with it? I I grew up um, at Bat Boy and at Ray Windard, which was the stadium. You know, back then it was just like the classic old school baseball stadium. Like, I mean, it gave those vibes, right? I mean, I we were walking in the dugout in the clubhouse, just stone walls. You know, just you know, chew at that time when people were just all over the place. Um, and man, and I, I loved it, you know, and I just, I fell in love with the game. I fell in love with minor league baseball. Um, I just still have vivid memories, you know, of my father and I, we would literally go sometimes back then Ray Winder had a very short roof um, on both sides. And there was actually a place in the left field side that you could actually see the batter. It was like a walkway. Wow. So you could actually see the batter being outside of the stadium. And so it was a left-handed batter. You could see a foul ball coming over. Uh, and so we would always catch foul balls and I, you know, until this day I'd beat adults, you know, they couldn't stand a chance against me when I was 12, 15, 14, 15, <laughs> beating these adults for these baseballs. Uh, I, I've always been super competitive and I think that's where it started. Um, but yeah, man, I, I loved it, played it, you know, I played a bunch of sports in high school, played, played minor league baseball or, or minor league baseball, played high school baseball. And I, I knew I was never going to be good enough to go to the next level. I've always been a toothpick and, uh, short, you know, not super tall and not just the build you need to, but but I always knew I wanted to love it. And so, um, you know, I was like, well, I think I can work on the baseball side of things. And so I went to went to school at U of A, of course, Woo Pig, and went up there. And then uh, I got into the scouting side. I actually went to scouting school. I, I was a part-time scout for the Philadelphia Phillies for a couple of years. Um, and I, and I loved it, man. It was, it was awesome. That is a different lifestyle though. I mean, you're gone a lot. It is a very challenging lifestyle. There's not a whole lot of, um, job security, you know, in that just from, uh, you can't control all the players, you know, teams losing. We see it every year that front offices get let go. And then there's so many scouts that get let go in the process that you don't hear about. Um, and so I was like, man, I don't, I don't, I met my wife at the time and I said, I, I think I need to look at something different. So, uh, but wanted to stay in baseball and, and you know, minor league uh, team here, Arkansas Travelers, of course, had an opening as a basically a, uh, a, a ticket intern. Um, and so I, I jumped on board and making pennies and selling season tickets and then jumped into assistant concessions manager and filling out ice machines and moving kegs, which are extremely heavy, by the way, and uh, all those type of things. And, and and they also roll a long way when they fall off a cart. Um, I learned that the hard way. Uh, so do, doing all that, and, and man, I was 21, 22, I guess, at the time. And then my first full year, I actually, our, our director of merchandise uh, person at the time left uh, after three days of opening. I mean, third game, she was gone. Wow. I uh, had another opportunity outside of sports, had a family. And and so they put me into that role. So I was director of merchandise, became director of corporate sales while I was doing director of merchandise, became assistant GM. And then in 2020, I got promoted to CEO. And here we are. You know, I don't I don't know what happened, but here we are. And uh, and and I absolutely love it, man. It's it's an awesome, awesome time and an awesome thing to work in. It, it is a challenging, just like any business is, of course. And, and, and the game has changed so much in my short tenure here I guess I just finished my 14th season in baseball I was an intern at wow. Northwest Naturals for a couple of years when I was in college 
uh, which was super fun. Um, besides dressing up as a mascot, um, <laughs> we, we made it work. I've, do, I've literally done it all. The only thing I've never done is I've never done the PA announcement on a game. Okay. I've been on radio broadcast and done some color, but I've never called a batter. Maybe that's something I need to tell my team I need to do this year. I'm sure they'll love yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And, and Rusty, I wanted to go back to like the scouting you were talking about. Like yeah. you said, that, that is – because, you know, I'm, like I was telling you, I collect the Bowman first on these uh, prospects and whatnot. I love it, right? Yeah. And and, and how, it's so hard for me to even pay attention on, like, the MILBTV.com with all this. You know, there's, like, seven people in the stands half the time, right? And it's not very glamorizing. But if you know, like, your guy that you're looking at, man, it's it's super entertaining for me. But, but baseball is one of those weird things to me. It's like you're not looking for the 6'8 swing man, right? Who's like or, – or like your 350-pound left tackle, you know, like the Altuve's of the world and whatnot. How how much different do you think scouting is in baseball than, you know, the other big three sports? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely so much video now. And just, uh, you know, we've got so many – TVs in our area down here now at the minor league level for our team. You know, we're looking at building a, or we are starting a building a brand new batting practice facility, which is part of major league requirements uh, that we're having to do. And it's just so much more technical now than even when I was doing. I mean, there's so many things done from a video standpoint. The analytics is just a whole nother animal. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a completely, I mean, we, they literally have track man in the dugout now. So you know, which is the the system that shows everything, spin rate and miles per hour, which I, I know you guys know about, but just so listeners do. And it's just it's just so in depth. And they they legitimately have a TV in the dugout during the game um, that is like showing these. Yeah, it's really funny when there's like a bad call or a questionable call. Uh, you'll see all the coaches turn their head and look at this, look at the computer screen to see where the pitch was or something. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of kind of funny on there, but. Uh, it's just part of the game, you know, and, and, and everyone's got to adapt to it. Um, you know, I, I, I get it. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm always falling the camp kind of a mix, uh, I guess, just cause maybe I did do the scouting for a while. So I kind of see the need of, you know, just trusting your gut, really seeing kind of intuition. You got to use the numbers too. They're important and you got to use them. It's just like with anything. I mean, I, I use, I always use this analogy with me. You know, I've got our, our CFO is phenomenal. He gives me all the numbers that I can get to where we can make the best business decision. Doesn't mean that's the decision we're going to make just based off that, but I, I need all the information I can so I can feel confident in making our best decision for our company. Yeah. I see it kind of the same way, you know, um, when, when you're using analytics. Take the analytics, take all the numbers, and then help that make your decision based off of what you feel is right and see. So, yeah. I love that you say that, man, because, like, you, you get all this, like, bat speed through the power zone or whatever they're calling it, and, like, the, yeah. the guy's still hitting the, hit, hitting the ball. And I'm like, you know, you see, like, I don't know, I've been, you know, I got the Baseball Americas over here, and I just love it. You yeah. know, you, you can really get into this stuff, man. <laughs> you, you can get lost in it, man. There's a lot of stats. There's a lot of stats. Do you think, do you think Rusty, it's the chase of perfection, right? For of the player or the team? Like, what do you, what do you think that is like this, this, this wanting to know just about every yeah. point within and bat, pitch, catch, whatever it might be? That's a great question. Yeah. I, I think it's two things. Yeah. I think it's perfection for sure. Yeah. I think it's just so part of the game now. That's what gets these big contracts, you know, Got I mean, it. certain stats, home runs, bat speed is something you hear about all the time, you know um you know ball ball speed out of the deal you know those type of things spin rate on the pitchers slider and stuff I mean guys are throwing harder and faster than they ever were before they're throwing a hundred percent every single pitch um you know they're swinging 
for a 400 foot home run every single swing. Um, you know, those type of things. It's just a different game. Um, you know, and again, I think it's, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. It's just different. And so I think guys are just really more in tune, you know, um, with that. And so they just care a lot more about it. One of the things that you said though, that I have to go back for, cause, cause I'm, I'm not in a professional sports, but I'm always drawing parallels between professional sports and businesses, right? If ultimately people are our greatest asset, that's that's something that baseball, football, soccer, yeah. you guys have always known that. It's about what players you put on the field, and they better be the best in order to have the best possible outcome, which is winning that game, championship, whatever it might be. And I just think as like uh, I've been in sales the majority of my career, and and only really in sales do we have data associated with contracts or monetary value. And I can just think of so many other individuals that – help sales at ultimately at the end of the day and help your customer um, that don't have some of those data points, but I know would tie to their performance. So I was just kind of, one of the things I wanted to get back to also from your, your scouting days is your ability to, to spot potential is really what makes the best scout ultimately, and maybe see something that nobody else saw. Um, how have you taken what you learned in scouting and applied it to the talent acquisition and the way that you're bringing on and developing people now on your team as the CEO? Yeah, exact same way. I mean, you see talent, you see potential, you know, part of when we were scouting, we had to grade them. Most all the people I were were high schoolers and, and, you know, freshmen, sophomores in college. So, I mean, these are young kids. Um, and you're grading them on what they are now, and then you're projecting them to what they're going to be, Right. Exact same thing here. Um, you know, I always say this, our, our GM right now is, is a lady named Sophie Ozier. She's phenomenal. She does a great job. Um, six, seven years ago, she's been GM, I guess, three years now. I, I knew she was going to be a GM. Um, and I knew that if I ever got into a role where I could hire somebody, she, she would be it. Um, just because I could see that potential. And so, uh, yeah, I think, think that's a great correlation. I mean, I, I, I look at it as our staff and, and seeing where they can grow, learning their strengths. You know, a big part of what we do is sales, of course, um, group sales, ticket sales, sponsorship sales. Um, I do sponsorship sales, primarily part of my job, um, especially this time of year. And so I think, yeah, I mean, really seeing where they can really, in, in our job, minor league on, on the business side has changed so much too. I mean, it's just become a different animal. I mean, social media, um, just the, the marketing side has become such a different animal. You know, y'all mentioned really early on about families. I mean, that's a huge focus of ours. You know, we, we really look at it as we are putting 69 events on different mm -hmm. events. Um, that's what we are. I mean, we, I look at, we are an entertainment venue. Uh, that's just the way we look at it. I mean, we, it revolves around baseball, but so many people come out here, they don't have a clue who we're playing. They don't know anyone on our team. They don't care whether we win or lose. They know nothing. Yeah. You know, that's a big majority of our fan base. I, I mean, I would, it's over 80 something percent, I believe, you know, wow. from the last stats we showed that just they come for because it's a thing to do as a family. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, that that's our focus and, and, and really putting on those different events every single every single time we can. And um, yeah, I mean, and, and but that's changed, too. So with that, we have to it takes a lot of talents, right? I mean, you know, and, and, and finding where my biggest weaknesses are and our biggest weaknesses are in, in executive management and, and making sure we have the right people to handle those. Like I know nothing about social media. I used to run it, which is scary. <laughs> um, back when I first started uh, in 2013 and 14, I was like, sure. Why not? We don't have one. I'll do it. 
That's hilarious. I just love like your customer focus obsession, right? Is even though you wish that you're probably your customer knew more of your players, right? Knew more about the game. You don't force that on them. You actually adjust your approach to meet the majority, which is 80%. That's that passive fan. It just kind of is comical because so many businesses do that for their customer, but they're unwilling to do it for their employees. And adjust and change for that frontline employee, which is usually a majority of their workforce. So it's just, there's so many different parallels between the two. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Ty, yeah. Gonna, and, and I think one more, thing on, one more thing on that. I think we had to, you know, um, to your point, and some always say you, minor league baseball is so unique is we have so many different fan bases. And so we have to cater to so many different people. So yeah. you've got your diehard baseball fans that have the scorebook and by gosh, they're going to get every, pitch in do not interrupt them talk to them in between innings but not during the game yeah you've got you know buddies that come after work for three innings to get a hot dog and a couple beers use us as a bar before they go home right um you've got families that are coming you know you've got groups of dad you just have so many different people and fan bases and reasonings for them coming that you kind of have to cater to them all how do you Um, do that effectively because i i know a lot of leaders are saying hey Rusty, I got multi-generations that they all yeah. want different things and I can't give everything to everybody is what yeah, you know, always here. I think one thing that we can do is is we do have so many events so we can make certain big promotional nights focused on others, right? And what yeah. I mean by that is we can do, um, you know, a, a Trav's history night or something like that. We're really focusing on that kind of target market. And then we do a faith and family night, we're really focusing on families and you know, we're in the Bible Belt, really focusing on that. So we can focus on certain nights. I would say overall, though, we can do it by just, you know, our in-game entertainment and and drawing that entertainment and cheaper prices for people, um, really focusing on customer service. It's a huge thing for us when it comes to food and efficiency. And, it, you know, I joked about cold hot dogs, but that's one of my biggest <laughs> that If we have anything cold, I am not a happy camper. Um, I want food hot. I want beer cold. I, I want it the way it should be. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we we really focus on all that. So I th- it's the little things. If, if you can't do the little things, things don't matter. Um, and we've got to do those little bitty things correctly uh, and really try to focus on that. And we really changed that over the last three or four years. And this was the first year that we really saw those benefits. We had a great season. We had 318,000 fans in here. Wow. Um, we were top 10, I believe, in double A baseball uh, for our market. We're not a big market. Yeah. Um, you know, Little Rock is, is not as big as I think people think it is. And, and um, yeah, so I'm really proud of our staff. They've done a, they've done a great job. So Sophie does a great job leading them on a day-to-day basis. And we, we got a good crew. Dude, that's awesome to hear, Rusty. And I remember that old stadium back in my day. I Man, I think I won a Pepsi versus Diet Pepsi contest. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, we're Coke now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good, good, man. My brother would be happy about that. He he uh ties uh I won't go there. But uh, Tyler, if you remember real quick, you know, Fayetteville, big thing was like Coke, Pepsi, you know, Jeff Long's Pepsi, Coke there. So when we were up there, I believe we were Pepsi or when I was, and we switched. I had some of my friends, because our contract was up, it was kind of talked about some in central Arkansas. I had some of my friends are like, you better not go to Pepsi. (laughs) (laughs) That were at Fayetteville, and it was just it was really funny. My brother still, I so he correlates Pepsi to Chad Morris. Okay, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so yeah, 
yeah like and he won't stop i'm like chase dude it's over he's like no it's not that's funny yeah that, that, that's always that's, that's the one thing i've always found that like people get there one way or the other and they mean it man like they mean you, it. and I, I always took it for granted i never thought it was a huge deal i was like well we gotta have a soft drink and like it's like a bud like you know people, people are very strong one way or the other yeah, man. And, well, dude, and you, you said, so you mentioned, uh, and I haven't been down to Little Rock in a, a, a while, man. You said you guys got a new stadium. Is that is it in the same location? Well, it's not really new anymore. I guess we, 2007 was the first one. So, no, it's it's in North Little Rock now. Um, and oh. so it is actually looking towards Little Rock. It's just on the okay. other side of the river. It's a beautiful stadium. Uh, it's old school brick. I mean, it, it looks like a baseball park. You know, right. it's, it's a great, great stadium. Greg and our his crew, Greg Johnston, our park superintendent. He was park superintendent when I was bat boy. He's been around a long time. He he keeps it pristine, man, and it just it looks good. And uh, yeah, we've got a special park and, and good fan base. And yeah, it's a, it's a good place to be. Cool, man. And and I wanted to ask you. So you, I, I've I've, I've uh let you know that I'm a super nerd for this stuff nowadays. Ever, ever since that 2020 came out, man, with like the, the J-Dom and the, the Dominguez and the Bobby Wynn, yeah. I've just been going ham. Yeah. Uh, like I said, like I, I follow some of y'all's dudes that are hopefully coming up with Locklear and uh, Ford's already got going up pretty quick, I think, right? Um, yeah, we, we should hopefully have him next year. You got Cole Young, um, Cole Demers. Yep. You got a bunch of good guys that are going right. to be coming through the pipeline Tyler, have- stop trying to get inside information to see the card value here <laughs> oh, no. well, i was going to ask you who do you look up to in the business like your peers across the country is there someone that just is kicking it kicking super super butt at this that you yeah uh, you know in, in your the double a that you really take hold of and, and learn from yeah, so I always I always make this reference so cool runnings is one of my all-time favorite movies you remember in that movie they're always talking about the swiss you know, this is the way the Swiss does. If you you remember that when he's always <laughs> referencing them. So I, uh, Tulsa Drillers, man, they they do. Mike Malaga is their GM up there. Um, it, they do a tremendous job. Uh, yeah, I, I really look up to them and, and call them. You know, they're in our league, so really easy to do just from working with them on a day to day basis. But they they do a great job, man. And, and you know, they got a great market, a great stadium. And then I would say. You know, uh, from a major league level, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot I know of some other teams. I, I really look up to some guys in, in the Mariners organization, um, you know, a guy named Trevor Gooby, who's their vice president of ballpark operations. Uh, I have a really good relationship with their baseball ops guys, uh, Jerry DePoto, their president, and um, Andy McKay, who's their AGM. Uh, really look up to them. Um, they're just good people. They, they treat us really well. So, yeah. Awesome. Can you just give me some – I've always wanted to ask this. So, when when is – so, so when do you contact, I guess, the AAA affiliate for y'all saying, Hey, this, this is, this kid's got it. Or do they contact you? How does that work? Or how does that communication go? Yeah. So uh, never, um, because we don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't deal, we don't deal with any of that. I mean, it's all done through the major league office. So they, they yeah. So they, they move everybody up and down. We have no say so in the players who come here, coaches, nothing. We don't do any of the hiring. We don't pay any of them. You know, none of that. Um, you know, there's some NIL stuff now. So we do on that end, but not, not from a salary standpoint. And so we work with them on a daily basis. Uh, we, we give them housing and obviously travel and take care of all that. So we work real close with them. Some of them are my real close friends, but, uh, but we don't have any say so in who moves up or down. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. It's all done. We, we find out when they find out. Wow. That's fascinating. <laughs> 
I always wondered that myself, Ty. I'm glad you asked because I always, I always was curious. I mean, you feel like the local fan bases, especially during playoffs, and you're they're pulling up the best players. Like the local community is all enraged. Like, how could they do this? They don't even know we're in the playoffs. But oh, ultimately, uh, uh, that uh, that all goes uphill. One of the questions I wanted to ask Rusty was: you talked about identifying their strengths, um, and and kind of just like you did in scouting, pro- the exact same way of what you're doing today. It sounds like they're. Um, to adjust your approach. And it sounded like you changed your approach. You you mentioned we started to focus on the little things, cold beer and warm hot dogs. Just, uh, I know that was one example. What other things did you do over the last three years um, to start to get individuals in the last three years of we've had a pandemic, we've had some other things that have taken us away from the game of baseball and some of these distractions but what did you have to change to get people to start, I guess, focusing on the little things? I think a lot of people are getting frustrated because they're like, nobody cares. We have no accountability and really just speaks to the burnout and people just stressed and don't have the time. Um, But what did you do over the last three years or you and your team do over the last three years to make it into the top 10? Because it seemed like that's something that um, you're pride, you're proud of just like of the new stadium and I'd love to learn how the scout, bat boy, now CEO, really took what he had um, to change that experience ultimately for the employee as well as as your customer. Yeah, I think, you know, from an employee, um, I just fully believe it all starts with trust. That may sound simple, but I just think really trusting each other, um, having open communication, really, really fully trusting one, one another really helps reach the same goal. We may have different ways of getting there. But as long as we kind of have that same goal, same thing in place, then I'm I'm good with that, um, you know. And so I think really kind of starting from scratch, like what are our goals as a team? Like what, what is our goal as Arkansas Travelers? And what do we want those to be? Coming up with them as a staff and then, okay, how do we get there? Uh, and and I, I think, again, it goes back to that caring and, and the pride in what you do, um, effort. You can't, you can't really teach that, in my opinion. I think you just kind of have to have it. And then if you've got it, Everything else is gonna is gonna be okay. I just I just believe that because I've seen it, and so I think, um, you know, and not everyone you know is always gonna have that on every single day. That's where we pick each other up, and and it starts with me. It starts with Sophie as far as really caring and giving those efforts and making sure that we're doing what we're saying we're gonna do. That way, our staff trust us too. And then you know, to answer the question about what we, some things we changed, you know, there there are two big things I can I can think of right off the bat. One is we changed our game times. Um, we, we, we were always seven Oh five during the week and we had different game times on Sunday. And so I had our CFO to, this is a perfect example of using analytics to help you make a good decision. So I, I had him run all of our numbers for the last five years of game times, temperatures, rainy, whatever. And we were, we realized, and we were missing the dinner crowd. And so at seven Oh five gates open at six Oh five. People were eating before they came, and then they were not staying as late because it was seven o five during the week. You to go to families. I mean, I have three girls myself. Yeah, bedtime. My kids in bed. We start <laughs> bedtime at seven. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're lucky to be asleep by eight, but we start at seven. Um, so we changed our weekend times to six thirty five and opened up at five thirty five. And so I just think from my family, it's like, oh yeah, we go five thirty five, five forty five, eat, watch a couple innings, and leave at seven or 7.30. You know, we're not there long, but we're there an hour and a half, and we're spending some money and those type of things. So we changed that. 
Sunday was the same thing. We went to 135. That was to get the lunch crowd after church. Um, in the summer, it doesn't. If it's if it's 105 in Arkansas, y'all know at 605, and it's a or it's 105 at two, and it's 101 at five. It doesn't matter. It's still hot, and so. <laughs> We were just kind of like, it, it is what it is, and we're going to stick with 135 games. And so we did that, and we've seen, you know, an increase, you know, on that. So that that's a big thing. And then we went cashless last year. Um, that that was really just, I think, just sped things up, just kind of made more um, efficient. And then obviously cleanliness. Like, we got to be clean. Like, yeah. bathrooms have to be clean. Concourse has to be clean. You know, it just has to be clean when people come in, especially coming out of the pandemic. Um, that was a big thing for us to make sure that we – were clean when people showed up and they felt like it was a clean place for their kids to go. And then offering something for, for everybody. We've, we've changed a bunch of things too. You know, we've got a train that runs around for kids. We've got a, a splash pad. Um, oh we've got a bar now. Um, we've got all types of things going on during the game to where you could honestly come to the game and never even watch pitch. Yeah. And I'm well, dead serious. Cause I've had people well, tell me that they didn't, they'll leave. And they're like, what did we win? Yeah. You know, <laughs> You know, which is which is which is which which you know tells me a we're we're doing our job and we're offering that entertainment to everybody else. But b I take that for granted. You know, we yeah. think every single person is coming to watch baseball, and it's just not the case anymore. Now, um, who came up with these big four? Like, obviously, maybe you and your, and the general manager. But like, did you look to your employee, like anybody else within the organization, and kind of leave it open for feedback and just say, how do we want to get here? How do we get there? Were any of these yeah, recommendations we, made by others? Yeah, we, we have our staff retreats every year that we did now that we used to not do. Um, and that's where a lot of this comes out and, and really open. I mean, I, everyone needs to be able to have an opinion and, and, yeah. and give to it. And then um, we have an executive team of, of five of us or four right now, but usually five of us that um, kind of finalize those decisions. I, I like that because it should never be just me. Um, yeah. There are certain things, yeah, where I have to make that decision, sure. But uh, majority, I like it to be – a vote. I like it to be where it's not just me making that decision or not just Sophie, where it's a group of us that are making that decision. Yeah. Um, and kind of how do we work, work towards that? Um, and it, I just think it also makes us more efficient. Absolutely. Well, it's just, you're, you're willing to be outside the box. And I, I mean, again, I'm not looking at the baseball side, but I wonder how many different applicants you've got by even changing the hours right now. Now, even your applicants might've been a, more able to yeah. make those hours for their schedules work. Um, you kind of just see how being flexible and willing to change and adapt um, can lead to great success. Um, like you've, you've, you've now seen and had in the last year, how have you gotten yourself so comfortable with change? Cause leadership organizations, like was it, they didn't have the data rusty to know like, Hey, let me look at the last five years. Why do we have this at seven o'clock? I'm, I'm so curious. I always ask, why do we do it this way? And if I get a good answer and I get the information back and I get a good reason as to this is why we do this, great. Okay, we're doing it the best way possible. Um, where a lot of people will stop and just say, we've always done it this way, um, instead of remaining curious and hungry like you have. What? what, uh, what I, why I, are I, you more comfortable with change than others? I still have a long way to go. I'll be first to admit that. We still got to change some things here that I'm still working through that, of course, and still got a long way to go. My, my staff knows like to never use this is the way we've always done it. I can't stand that phrase. Um, does it doesn't mean that that's not what we need to do, but let's look at it. Right. 
Um, I, I think for me, it's, you know, and I, we preach this to each other and I've had staff members preach it back to me because I don't always listen to it is let, let's, let's, all, let's try something. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but let's look at it why it didn't work, but let's try something new. If it doesn't work and we can't tweak it, then we tried it and we, we did do away with it. Right. Okay. It didn't really work, but what if we made these few tweaks? Would this work? You know, and, and I think we got some steam here. Let's, let's tweak it a little bit. Always trying something new and seeing if it sticks. And and you know, we we tried three or four new things a year, whether it's promotions or operational changes or those type of things that I consider risk. And we we go from there. Let's try them though. Uh, I, I I mean, I, I, this sounds corny, but I think to get comfortable, you just have to do it a few times. And then because I was scared to death to make the change to go to cashless, I was terrified. Um, we waited a year for it. And we probably should have done it earlier. And we did it. I got one complaint the entire year. I got one complaint. So I think to that point, that's a that was a big change to me. Wow. But I got one complaint on it. And 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 we dealt with that complaint and and handled it and we moved on. But it's just kind of like, okay, change is maybe not as always big as we may think it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's almost that, like we think it could be worse for others that we haven't thought yeah. of or haven't considered. And now we're going to learn that by making that decision. Yeah. That's yep. fascinating. Rusty. Yep. Yep. I mean, there's certainly some things you do that you're like, wow, that didn't work. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, that was terrible. daily, not, daily. Let's, yes. Daily. Let's not do that again. <laughs> uh, but again, we, we tried it, you know, we tried it because yeah. if, if you, if, if staff in me, if we keep saying, let's do something, we don't do it, then they're eventually just not going to bring any ideas and we're not going to try anything new. We're not going to grow. Cause we're just not going to, we're going to suffocate all those ideas and just say, we're not going to do them because we're scared of it. And then why are people going to be willing to bring new ideas? Right. So um, I don't think that I don't, you know, I think that uh, limits your growth. Oh man. And it's so much more fun to get, get some action involved. Right. It's like yeah. four, four dudes sitting around talking about something, just talking and just talking. And it's just like, you're saying going in circles and never doing anything. Yeah. Take action. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of your, your philosophy, Rusty. Dive in and adjust from there. Hell, if it doesn't work, at least you did it, you know, and then yeah, you have some experience. So next time someone asks you for, for some advice, you're like, I don't think that's it, man. Here's why. And they're like, holy crap, you really did that. I'm like, oh, I did, buddy. The whole nine, man. But uh, that's probably my favorite. And then when it, you have success, it's pretty cool. You know, then you start speaking from your chest more instead of trying to sound smart because you you've been through it did it but rusty i was gonna ask you man where do you see yourself in 10 years man you, i mean from bat boy to, to mascot to, to to ceo what what's i mean what's that 10-year uh journey gonna look like you think yeah i don't know you know i mean i'm a, a face a huge part of my life and so you know I've, I've been praying about that for a while and just trusting where i'm supposed to be is where i'm supposed to be right now but i think uh, yeah, I love sports, man. You know, I want to I, I want to continue to do this. I could be here forever. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm certainly open to what that looks like down the road, but I do love the sports world. And uh, it's just really fun and fascinating. And, and, you know, but with my like I said, I got three girls all under the age of seven. So my life's a little nuts right now. So the last thing I probably need is a big change. But uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so no, it's uh, and, and that's been really cool for me to see them kind of grow up the way I did, uh, you know, it ball, it ball park is such a great place to yeah. grow up, come as a kid. And, and the fact they, they walk in now, they act like they own the joint, which they kind of do. Um, you know, when they tell me they want this or that, and you know, they've, they've, gotten, <laughs> they've gotten this, like they get hot dogs all the time, but they, 
they like me to go cook them on the grill. They don't like them on the rollers as much anymore. So they've gotten, you know, fancy when it comes to that. And so my middle one's like, daddy, did you cook this on the grill? I'm like, yes, baby. It's a Friday night, 7,000 people here. I took the time to go cook it on the grill. Um, You know, so I I messed with them on that. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely see myself in sports in 10 years for sure. Where that is, I I don't know yet, but um, but right now I love this. You know, it's a dream come true to get to work for a team I grew up for. Uh, you know, and 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 really working alongside with Mariners is a special as well, just because they're just good people. Uh, making those relationships, you you meet so many people in minor league baseball that are from all over the country, you know, and the world really, especially now with more Dominican Republic players, and uh, you know, um, it's just yeah, it's 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 grown. Yeah, man. Oh, absolutely. And, and like I mentioned, I, I watch the DR games sometimes, you know, I, I, on TV. And yeah, I, I don't even know what I'm watching, but, you know, you, you kind of sink into it and get lost, man, and, and yeah. for a guy for a couple of years. But yeah. uh, I was going to ask you, Rusty, are there any more uh, like new rules coming baseball's way, you think? You know, they've really progressed pretty quickly, I want to say, for baseball over the past yeah. couple of years. I know baseball is usually the last one to kind of change things, it seems like. But, you know, we have the pitch clock. Is there anything else coming our way? Uh, not that I know of, you know, next year, you know, I, I always remind everyone that, you know, we had the pitch clock for like four or five years before it was ever in major league baseball. Right. They, they test everything out on us. Oh, okay. uh, we had new baseballs a couple years ago, you know, bigger bases, all those things they test here and they'll actually split them up. So the first half of the year, last year, there was a shift rule. I don't want to get this wrong, but I believe it was, there had to be, uh, two guys on each side of the of the base of second base, and their heels had to be on the grass. And then they switched it to the following following where they they changed it again or did something to work with the shift. So um, whether or not those come down the line, I, I don't I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I will say the pitch clock has been phenomenal. I think it's one of the best things in Major League Baseball. I think it's one of the best things in baseball that they've done. I'm so proud, you know, to be part of that and them and make those decisions. Um, you know, that major league baseball, we're able to go ahead and make the decision on that because it, it's, it's benefited everyone. Um, in my opinion, I mean, oh, we've, it's so great. It's so great. People are staying longer now. You know, I, I always make this joke too. The, or, or the first time we did this, uh, two years ago, I, I walked in my door at home at like nine, we had like a two hour and 20 something game. My wife was like, did you get, are you okay? Did you get fired? Yeah. Like, worried because she's not used to me being home before 1030. Um, you know, so it was like kind of, kind of getting used to that. So, so that's been really cool from a staff, from a selfish standpoint, you know, we've had to change our PTO and adjust our hours with our full-time staff, which is a great problem to have, but it's just something we've had to do in today's climate. And that's helped too. people getting home early. People stay longer. Um, people are staying the whole game, uh, which is awesome. So the atmosphere in the seventh, eighth and ninth inning, is what it is in the first, second, and third inning, which, you know, it, it just used to not be that way. Um, and so that's made it more fun, more fun for our players, uh, for our staff as well. Uh, so that's been a great, great rule change. Absolutely. That's really cool. I know you got you said earlier, Rusty, that you you don't really have a say of the coaches, right, and the personnel when it when it, uh, it has to deal with the baseball team. You've been around that team for quite some time. You've probably seen your fair share of players, but also coaches and managers. From your estimation of what you've seen, does coaching truly make a difference in the game of baseball? Yes. Like how they manage. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it definitely does. I mean, I think now 
how they manage their pitching staffs is a huge thing. Um, yeah, I mean, how they the, the lineup is something people take for granted, how important that is. Uh, you know, and that's another thing with, the, with what you have analytically now. You can really see the other pitcher that you're going to be going against and really ma- making sure you're matching up to his weaknesses, right? You're matching your strengths to his weaknesses. And they're doing the same thing, vice versa. But, uh, yeah, it definitely does. Uh, I, I I absolutely believe that. I, I believe – and, and I think at the minor league level – the assistants are a huge, mm. huge asset. Um, pitching coordinators, pitching coaches, hitting coaches, because these guys are developing. And, th- and that sounds cliche, but it's just the truth. I mean, these are 20, 21, 22-year-olds, and they are developing. You know, when they get to the major league level and they've been there a while, those coaches are just there to kind of tweak them and maintain them and make sure they're staying on the right path. But at this level, you can really coach them, wow. change mechanics, change things. You know, this is where you work on your curveball. Not at the major league level. This is where you're, you know, well, I'm just saying if you got a curveball and that's what you got to work on, that's what you're gonna work on here. You know, there's guys that'll go out here and they 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 may just throw fastballs and some changeups because they're working on certain things, you know. Interesting. Um, this is where you can really develop and and really grow. So yeah, coaching. That's a long answer, but I'm passionate no, about it. So that's exactly where I wanted you. I wanted you to go into it because, like, as a as a viewer, right? You you look at some sports baseball albeit like the changes but it, it's 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 still a very individualized sport ultimately at the end of the day it's the pitcher and the batter yeah I mean um, and I think that there's pitch counts you know they got these yeah. guys on pitch counts and so there you have to your coaching may be limited sometimes but but overall yeah it, it makes a huge difference it does that's fascinating thank you yeah, oh, man, the data is where it's at. I think that's what yeah. I get. Like, non-baseball people, Rusty, I'll, I'll I'll throw some stuff at them, and they're like, "What?" And then they'll like they'll think about it, and they're like, "Dude, I watched the, you know Victor Scott the other day for spring Springfield, blah blah blah." And I was like, yeah. "Yeah, man, how many bags did he steal?" Just little things like that. And then people yeah. start texting me about those random dudes, uh, John Parker Wilson's brother uh, over at the Naturals. I got a couple of Alabama guys just rolling them. You know, yeah. uh, a, a second baseman in, in, in a baseball. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But but I, I think you know, as individual as the sport is, in a way, like it's so cool to me how you get that gut feeling when a team's hot or cold. Like yeah. like just from viewing on TV, it's like it, it's unbelievable. It's like you just see it in like the whole demeanor of the team. You know, if a guy's like a, you know pitching up 10, 10 Ks and a few innings, you just Feel the demeanor, and there's nothing coming out of that. Rusty, I wanted to ask you real quick about the yips, though. I think the yips are the most fascinating, like, things I've ever uh, – one of my neighbors in college got him, but, you know, and I, I just thought it was nuts. Have you ever heard of someone getting the yips and coming out of it, and how did they come out of it? You're talking about, like, a slump, basically? Like, for instance, a pitcher – I know a, a fellow who went to the, uh, the Hogs who – he was one of the top in the country coming in, kind of got over mechanic by the yeah. the coach in a way yeah. and could barely hold a baseball in his hand by the yeah. time he left and he couldn't even hit hit for me to the, the national championship <laughs> shirt yeah. and he's the number two pitcher coming out of, out of high school have you have you ever witnessed someone get the yips and come out i don't know for like a long period of time i've definitely seen like a game where like they're just do something completely uncharacteristic you know throw four or five balls against the backstop you know, like 10 feet over the guy's head. And you're like, where did that come from? I mean, a game maybe, but I've never been, I've never been a part of seeing it like a long, from a long period of time. I mean, I've seen plenty of slumps, um, you know, in my days, but, um, and guys come out of that. Um, But yeah, no, no, nothing on the yips. 
that, that's what all the yips. Yeah, I, I always talk about the yips to my friends. I'm like, dude, I know a guy. Well, you guys were talking about college basketball earlier. That's why I think I love college basketball because you can just see that emotional changes within the game. Like you, you'll see those runs. Yeah. You'll just see like there's bad decision, bad decision, bad decision. Team just came back. It happened in Kentucky against Kansas the other night. Tyler's yeah. texting me. I'm like, dude. They're young. They'll figure out a way to blow this. Don't worry. And sure enough, they did. So, yeah. uh, but I wanted to ask you back to the the scouting side, and I know I'm harping a lot on this, but um, how do you determine? Because you said, like, I, I agree with you. I think some drive, determination, I think some of that stuff, the, the can-do, um, optimistic perspective um, of actually getting things done cannot be taught and it, and it's it's born um i think if it's aligned with their strengths they're more likely to do it so i think sometimes it's just the not alignment with what they're doing and what they're good at but how do you spot that and maybe it's in an interview and maybe it's in a conversation that you have with an, an applicant or an individual but how did you spot it just like you talked about your general manager how did you know that she would be it um other questions that you ask are there things that you look for um, what kind of things can you give maybe some of the listeners that are CEOs that are listening today as a new tool in their tool bag to identify who has it um, and arm them with uh, some more of those data points or insights? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's hard, you know, in an interview, I think you can get an idea. I do think it's hard to fully know, you know, because you just have a short period of time with them. Everyone puts their best on the interview. You're putting your best on as the interviewer, you know, so you're you're learning some, but you can kind of. I do almost all mine in Zoom because I like to see people face to face or in person, mm -hmm. get an idea of just how they are, you know, and, and and body language, those type of things, learn from that way. And then I think like with, with Sophie and others, just you got to work with them and you got to be with them and you got to learn who they are and get to know them and, and learn how they operate, learn their strengths and weaknesses, learn what drives them, learn what doesn't drive them. They need to learn you too and what, you know, those type of things, what motivates you, you know. I got so many staff members. I mean, I can't manage everybody the same. Everybody is motivated off of something differently. Some are money, some are time off, some are being told good jobs, some are being told they're doing a bad job. So, so which is always blowing my mind on that because I'm not that way. I like being told that we're doing well. You know, that's kind of what motivates me and and seeing my staff doing well. Um, those type of things. That's what that's what drives me. Um, I think just being around, being around them, and they're you know how do they handle conflict? Of course, how they handle um stressful situations which is a big thing in our job um when they come being being taking time to make the right decision um and then trusting that you're making the right decision it may not always be but you're making the best decision that you can based off the information that you have at the time and then you know seeing that and i saw her do that a lot our assistant gm's the same way um and just passion and care. That's, that's really something I really look, look for, you know, and, and, and just having passion for what you do, um, take pride in what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and the rest will come. Love it. Dude, heck yeah, man. And Rusty, I just wanted to say thanks before we wrap up here for having your closing music, dude, that, that, <laughs> that, that uh, uh, coming out of the bullpen. I appreciate oh. that. When that president of the baseball hall of fame didn't have his closing music, dude, that grinded my, my gears so bad. He, he looked me right in the eyes. and was like, I don't have one. I'm like, yeah. 
all right, man. Yeah. And then I, I see him taking pictures with like Craig Gentry and a few of my buddies uh, for the Rangers, you know, and I was like, that guy doesn't have a closing music. You know? <laughs> but, I, I also always love just a good sandstorm. You can't, the yeah, techno I'm, music, you know, you can never beat sandstorm, man. You just no. play that and everybody's yeah. good. Oh yeah. Well, Russ, before we jump, man, I got I got a couple more one more baseball question, man. Yeah. Do, do you baseball arms? Okay, I'm I'm try, I, I know what I believe, but are, are they are people born with baseball arms or are they are they developed or how that what 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 or how are they developed? Because I I'm a huge believer that you're born with it, you know, from you know the southpaws I was growing up in yeah. Northwest Arkansas. I was like, dude's chunking eighty eight as a twelve year old. That's not development. I I, I do believe, you know in the God-given talent thing, you're just gifted differently. You know, I, and what I mean by that is I see all these guys down here, you know, anyone that ever wants to play high school baseball or pro ball, I invite them to be around players because these guys are just giants. I mean, they are just big dudes and, you know, um, they're just very strong. They're tall. They're just built different than me. <laughs> they were just, God just made them different than he made me. And, uh, I I, do, I absolutely think you can teach things. I do think you have to have raw talent when it comes to the pitching world. I mean, especially in today's worlds of analytics. I mean, if you're not throwing mid to high 90s, you're not going to really get looked at too much, you know, um, unless you're a really special guy throwing sidearm or something like that or submarine, which are, you know, rare. We had one guy last year. He's a good friend of mine uh, that did throw kind of submarine. Uh, he was throwing like 86 or something, but he got people out, man. People didn't, <laughs> people couldn't hit him or ground balls. So, um yeah I mean I, I I I yes to both I would say it's definitely primary the talent and then you that's where the coaching comes in though you've got to say you gotta refine it you know you gotta um you know Kevin being in the sales world you'll understand this same thing with me you know I have people that are great at picking up the phone but man they're they're talking way too quick and they're they're getting the information you know you got to slow down you got to same type of deal they got the talent to do well and talent to be really successful with their job and we just have to or if I had people do that with me, you know, and, and so same thing. Just go back to your pitching swing coaches. It's almost the same, right? Everybody's aligning into their strengths. I mean, every got best golf coach tells you that not to chase per the perfect swing, work with the swing that you have to yeah. make it as perfect for you as possible. But yeah, absolutely. Rusty, this was fantastic. I uh, I so appreciate it up here in Rochester. We have the the mighty Red Wings who oh, have yeah. kind of been in the toilet for quite some time. But uh, Naomi does a great job um, to does. provide the experience. She has no say over the players. But uh, really appreciate you kind of shining a light as to what it's like to be a CEO at one of these minor league ballparks. Um, I've been going to them as a small kid, Tyler, and and, and you as yourself. So it's amazing to hear somebody that is a bat boy is now uh, running the organization and kind of in this new new way and uh, uh, achieving success along the way. Um, despite your resume maybe not supporting, oh, this person is made for a CEO. Somebody else spotted your potential along the way too, which is exciting. Appreciate it. No, definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely not made for that, but we're figuring it out as we go. <laughs>